Welcome to the Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Willett. Good morning. Yeah. It's good to see everybody here this morning. It's so good to see you, Amica. Good to, thanks for being with us today. Yeah, bless you guys. Oh, it's going to be an awesome day. I've, I'm excited about this word um, that I have to, to share with you this morning. You're going to be encouraged. There's some good stuff in here, I believe, from the Lord. So I first have a, a, some, some something uh, funny. And uh, so we can just laugh a little bit. Let's just get them, just get them revved up. Just ha, 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 ha. He, 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 he. Ha, 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 ha. Get them revved up. We need to laugh more. Amen. Uh, okay, here we go. So we thought it was our ability to love that made us human. But it turns out it's actually our ability to select each image containing a boat. <laughs> How many don't get that one at all? You're looking confused. So you're on Facebook. You want to watch a YouTube video. You click on the video, and the thing comes up and says, select each image containing a boat. <laughs> so, just for you, Brad. <laughs> i explain. That's what makes it. This to prove you're a human, you have to find the, select the image that contains a boat. Okay. If cats, <laughs> I spent way too much time on that one. If cats could text you back, they would not. Now, if dogs could text... They'd be just texting you all day long, right? They'd be like, hey, how are you doing? Are you still doing good? How are you doing now? Okay, research. This is true, actually. Research shows that laughing for two minutes is just as healthy as jogging for 20 minutes. So, <laughs> so you, you can go with me. Uh, today I'm heading to the park later to laugh at all the joggers. So <laughs> we only need to do for two minutes to get 20 minutes of, of like exercise benefit. Okay, I have one more. Uh, two guys were walking through the jungle and they came across a hungry lion that had not eaten for days. The lion starts chasing the two men. They run as fast as they can. And one of the men decides to say a prayer. He says this, Lord, please turn this lion into a Christian. He turns to see if the lion is still chasing, and he sees the lion stopped on its knees and praying. Happy to see his prayers answered, he turns around, heads toward the lion. As he comes close to the lion, he hears its prayer. Lord, thank you so much for this food I'm about to receive. <laughs> I like that one. <clears throat> it's not the prayer you want to hear from the lion. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just thank you, God, that um, your kingdom is, is full of joy. We just thank you that the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy. So we, when we enter into joy, uh, we're just entering into the kingdom. So we just pray that your joy just uh, permeates this place today. We just pray for your uh, grace to just permeate our hearts this morning. We just bless um, what you want to do in our hearts. Let's just put our hand on our heart this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, just come and get us today. Just, we just pray for just the outpouring of grace in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, I spoke a message called uh, Ancient Seeds. And actually, last week, Joy spoke an awesome message. So good, so encouraging. I've been just chewing on that one all week. But before that, a week before that, I spoke a message called uh, Ancient Seeds. And um, I want to um, 
just kind of recap it a little bit because I feel like I'm jumping off uh, where, I, where I left off in that message. Um, so I talked about this being a year of recovery. And this is something that uh, Bill Johnson's been saying. This is something that people at Bethel are saying, that this is a year of recovery. Um, this is a year where you will recover all. And so it, it's talking about, uh, or it's... Uh, alluding to the story uh, with David uh, where he goes into Ziklag. That's a city that was given to him. So him and his men are going into Ziklag, back to Ziklag, and they see that it's, it's been burned. All their wives have been taken. Their sons have been taken. Their daughters have been taken. Everything that had value had been taken. And the men begin to weep, and things go from really, really bad to even worse because the men start to say, let's stone David. Let's kill David. So the Bible says that David, he strengthened himself in the Lord. And we're going to talk a lot about that today, strengthening yourself in the Lord. It says he strengthened himself. Some encouragements or some translations say that he encouraged himself in the Lord. And so David stepped away and he strengthened himself in the Lord. And the Lord speaks to him and says, pursue. He says, Lord, should we pursue these people that have taken our, all the stuff? The Lord says, pursue for you will surely recover all. So this is like a prophetic word over the church this year. Pursue, for you will surely recover all. Now that word pursue, that's an action word. That's, that's at a faith word. So that word pursue is just so highlighted to me this week. It's like pursue, step out in action. Justice will be done, Amen. So I know a lot, a lot of us, we all have a great sense of justice, but one thing we have to think about when we have that thing that rises up in us where we're like, oh, justice has to be done. This is not right. One thing that you need to stop and do in those moments is realize God is a thousand times more just than you are. And he wants justice more than you want it done. So we're never begging God to bring justice. We're never begging God to bring justice. He wants to bring it more than we want to bring it. So we're just partnering with him and saying, God, I believe justice is going to be done. I believe that you're bringing justice to every situation and every situation that there is, God will bring complete justice to. You can believe that. Thank you, Jesus. So I want to encourage you to step out in faith, pursue in the areas that you'd like to see recovery. So God said, you'll recover all, pursue. So in the areas that you need to see recovery in, um, you, need to, you need to pursue. So if it's an area in a family, if it's an area in a work situation, finances, whatever it is, you need to process with the Lord. Lord, what does it look like for me to pursue in this area? David could have easily just been like, you know what? Like things are really bad and now they're awful and they want to kill me and Lord this must just be the way it's supposed to end for me just I give up this is too hard but he actually goes to the Lord and the Lord says no pursue you're going to recover all so we don't want to stay on the sidelines in those areas and be like Lord this is hopeless it's it's just gotten even worse and I'm just I'm just going to sit here like or, or we can just be like God why don't you do something and we just sit there but the Lord the breath that uh, or the thing that the Lord is speaking is pursue He's actually saying, pursue. I'm partnering with you to help you recover all. Amen? Pursue. So your act of faith is powerful. Your act of faith is powerful. Um, we had our leaders meeting 
earlier this week, and, and Caleb Love, uh, who heads up our evangelism, he was talking about what success looks like in evangelism. And he was, he was saying, you know, every time we step out in faith, we're, we're batting 100%. So in evangelism, every act of faith, every, every time we step out to, to speak to someone and to evangelize, we're batting 100%. And so the same thing with anything in our life. Anytime we step out in faith, we are, we're winning. Because God, actually faith is one of the things that, God, that pleases God's heart. And so we can't um, look at success and, and determine it by other things other than stepping out in faith. We step, in out, we step out in faith. That's actually success. So we talked about ancient seeds beginning to germinate. I talked about there was uh, seeds that were found that were 2,000, over 2,000 years old. They were found in the Masada in Israel. And they actually got those seeds to germinate in 2005. And... Uh, Amazing that they actually got these 2,000-year-old seeds to germinate, but it's like the Lord is speaking something through that. Is like there's, there's things inside of us, there's these ancient seeds that might be dormant inside of you that God is germinating this year. And I talked about the fact that it takes three things to germinate a seed. It takes warmth, it takes moisture, and it takes light. And we talked about what those represent, warmth. God is the fire. He's the unquenchable fire. He appeared to Moses as a burning bush. Moisture. <clears throat> Moisture is the water. It's the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's the water. When the Bible talks about the outpouring of the Spirit, it's talking about the Holy Spirit. And who's the light of the world? Who's the light? Jesus. Water, moisture, light. God, Holy Spirit, Jesus. So, God wants to germinate some seeds inside of your heart. Maybe they're dormant. Maybe you know what they are. Maybe you don't know what they are. Maybe he's germinating some things inside of you that you didn't even know was in there. But a seed can actually germinate without soil. But it can't grow without soil. So the soil is the body of Christ. Get planted in the body of Christ this year like never before. Because God has something he's germinating inside of you. And it's going to grow in community. Amen? So I want to kind of jump off from there. That's kind of like a base of where I want to start. That's just a recap of the message from a couple weeks ago. Let's take a laugh break real quick. Uh-huh. Those are good to just have throughout your day. Like, oh, I need a laugh break. So everything that's going to happen this year, God wants to do all those things. He's germinating things. He wants you to pursue, um, especially in the areas where you feel like the enemy's taken from you. He wants you to pursue. And everything that's going to happen this year is going to happen through and by God's grace. And we're going to talk about grace today. You will recover all through God's grace. Seeds will germinate by God's grace. Flowers will grow and bloom by his grace. I want to start with this scripture today. We have it for the screens. It's Ephesians 4.29. Ephesians 4.29. says, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. 
So any word that comes from your mouth that doesn't bring edification, any word that you speak that doesn't edify is an unwholesome word. Any word that we speak that doesn't impart grace to the hearer is an unwholesome word. Now we can hear that scripture, let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but only such a word is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so it'll impart grace to those who hear you. We can hear that, and we can think, okay, I want to be more encouraging to others. But here's the kicker. Here's the thing that I feel like the Lord showed me this week. We have that scripture up. Thank you. So we want to speak words that are edifying according to the need of the moment so that they'll give grace to those who hear. Who hears your words more than anybody else? You. Newsflash, you're around you more than anybody else is around you. You're hearing your words more than anybody else is hearing your words. So the Lord, I I believe this is really like... um, pertinent for this season or really uh, like highlighted for this season. We need to get good at speaking words that are not just edifying to the people around us, but that are edifying ourselves. Do you see how, how you can be completely double-minded in speaking grace to those who hear? If you're speaking words over yourself that are not edifying and you're trying to encourage other people, do you see the double-mindedness there? Now here's the thing is, If you learn, and and sometimes this is something you have to learn. This is something we have to grow in. We don't, I I think very few people are just really good at encouraging themselves. Like, they're out there. But I think you have to grow in this. You have to be like, I'm going to intentionally speak words of edifying grace over myself. So here's the kicker is if you create a culture for yourself that you speak words of grace over yourself, you will carry a spirit of encouragement because now you're actually in unity with that word of those who hear and you're including yourself. You will actually carry encouragement and when you encourage someone else, it will carry great weight behind it. If you speak words, negative words over yourself and then you're trying to encourage someone else, like so conversely, if you're speaking negatively over yourself and you're trying to encourage someone else, it diminishes the weight of what you're doing. If you learn just to be a great encourager of you, and said David strengthened himself in the Lord. David encouraged himself in the Lord. If, if you learn how to do that, you'll actually carry the spirit of encouragement. You actually can just walk into a room and people will be encouraged because you're actually carrying the spirit of encouragement. So the first thing... <clears throat> We think of when we see a verse like that is, oh, I want to be good at encouraging others, but we actually need to first learn how to encourage ourselves. Who thought, who would have thought that like learning, becoming a great encourager starts with encouraging yourself? It actually starts with knowing how to be a good encourager of yourself. So we want to be people who speak life to ourselves and to others. And one actually gives power to the other because we're cultivating an atmosphere of edification to those who hear, and that includes us. Amen. Here's an exercise that you can do to cultivate speaking grace over yourself. Make a list of 10 positive things about you. 
I'm going to make a list of 10 positive things about me. Now, if you struggle with that, some of you, as I said that, you're like, oh, that's, I'm cringing. That's cringy. If you struggle with that, number one, you're not seeing yourself like God sees you. Because his list, he could make a list of a thousand things. His thoughts are you are more than the sands on the seashore. So I'm just asking you to come up with 10. That's pretty, that's a small pinch of sand. So make a list of 10 things. I'm not, we're not going to do that right now, but some, later. Make a list of 10 things that's good about you. And then take that list to your father and say, Father, would you encourage me with this list? And he'll go down through the, every single thing that you listed and he'll encourage you. This is what good dads do. This is how to start to cultivate encouraging yourself. Another thing you could do is just write down 10 things that the Bible says about you. And speak those things over yourself. Learn how to encourage yourself. Cultivate encouragement in your own life. This has everything to do with what I started with today about God's cultivating. He's uh, germinating seeds inside of you. God wants you to pursue. It all starts with this receiving the grace of God because it's all going to happen through his grace. And one of the ways we receive grace is we learn to cultivate an atmosphere of encouragement inside of us. Amen? So I have three declarations that I want us to say together today. And uh, go ahead and put up the first one. So this is, this is something you can just start your day with, uh, add it to your prayer time, or just, you know, wake up in the morning and start to declare something positive over yourself. But let's say this together. Today, I will speak words that impart grace over myself and others around me. You can just start your day. Today, I'm going to speak words that are impart grace to myself and to others around me. Powerful, powerful declaration. This is good stuff. So as we cultivate this in our lives, when we speak, it actually releases the presence of God. If in the presence of God, you'd be so encouraged, you wouldn't even know what to do. And so when we cultivate that encouragement, and we speak it out when we start to encourage ourselves and we build this, this uh, thing of encouragement inside of us, we're cultivating the presence of God. And when we speak it, we'll release the presence of God. Has someone ever encouraged you and you actually felt the presence of the Lord in their encouragement? Yeah. It's the Lord's spirit. It's like a spirit of life. It's a spirit of encouragement. The Bible says, it's First Thessalonians 5.11, encourage one another, build each other up. This is like the Lord's will for us. So this brings us to our second declaration. Could you put that up? You need to realize how powerful your words are over yourself and others. Let's say this together. My words empower people to do great things. Your words are so powerful. You can be cultivating this spirit of encouragement and you can be speaking life that empower people around you to do great things. Encourage one another. Build each other up. So we need, to pe- we need to be people who know how to impart grace, both to ourselves and others. 
Now, what is, what is grace? I've touched on this before, but I'm going to hit it again today and maybe hit it from a different angle. But grace is actually a double-edged sword. I feel like the Lord gave me this picture years ago. I was just studying grace. And I, I saw this picture of like a sword, like a big broad sword with two edges, like a double-edged sword. And on one edge of the sword, if, if grace is a double-edged sword, on one of the edge of the swords, it says unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. Biblically speaking, that's the exact definition of grace. It's unmerited favor. So unmerited favor is we have favor with God and it has nothing to do with what we have done or our righteousness. It has everything to do with what Jesus did in his righteousness. We have favor with God. It has nothing to do with our righteousness. It has everything to do with Jesus and his righteousness. I'm not depending on my righteousness to earn something in my life. That's called merited favor. So grace 101 is is this. You cannot earn your own salvation and there's nothing you can do to maintain it. The second you have to do something to maintain it, that goes into the category of merited favor. Grace is unmerited favor. So that's grace 101. You can't earn your salvation, you simply receive. You receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. You're saved. You can't earn it. You can't do anything to maintain it. Paul says as much, and I forget. I wish I could remember exactly where, but Paul, he's just kind of like, a lot of times when you start to understand grace, a lot of times you, you hear Paul's frustration. <laughs> he's like, hey guys, you didn't do anything to earn it, and you can't do anything to keep it. How are you who began by... Uh, receiving a free gift, how are you now going into a place where you think you have to do something to keep this free gift? It's a free gift. Thank you. Galatians 3, thank you so much. So grace is a double-edged sword. One side of that sword says unmerited favor. Before I move on from that, grace, the, I think the next step of grace, like first, that first step of grace is just realizing like, man, I'm saved and it's because of what Jesus did and it's not because of what I've done. I think the next step of grace is realizing I have favor in my life, again, not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus did. And we're to expect favor in our life. We're to expect favor in our health. We're to expect favor in our jobs. We're to expect favor all around us. Not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done. The enemy will always try to get you off on what you've done so that you'll start to disqualify yourself from God's blessing. Like, well, I haven't done it well enough. I didn't read my Bible enough. I didn't pray enough. I had an argument with my spouse this week. I don't qualify for God's blessing. That's called merited favor. What's grace mean? Unmerited favor. So we need to be people who expect to see God's grace in our life, not because of what we've done, because of what Jesus has done. So you got the sword. One side says unmerited favor. The other side says empowerment. Grace is an empowerment to do the things that God's called you to do in your life. Grace is empowerment. How many have ever heard someone say this, God's graced me to teach? God's graced me to be a mechanic. God's graced me to, th- to know how things work, to fix things. God's graced me to do this. God's graced me to do that. God's graced me to preach. So you may know, all, all of you may know, like, kind of like what God's given you grace to do that you're good at that maybe others are around you aren't as good at. 
because we all have a, a certain gift or gifts that God's given us. But the more that we begin to receive God's grace, his unmerited favor, the more that he'll actually empower you in your life to find new things that you didn't even know that you were good at, that you didn't even know that was there, and God's grace is pouring out on you, you're receiving his grace, and these new things begin to germinate inside you that God's showing you, I've actually graced you to do a whole lot more than you ever thought. I used to be terrified to do what I'm doing right now. I'd literally get nauseous just thinking about it. I wasn't like, even like, wasn't even on the radar of speaking. But I would just look at the pastor or old pastor and I'd be like, the thought of doing what he was doing, I'd get nauseous. (laughs) But as I started to receive more and more of God's goodness, more and more of his grace, all of a sudden I knew one day, I was like, oh, I'm actually supposed to, to preach. So there's lots of stuff in there that you may not even know that's in there. And as we receive grace, it's the empowerment to do what we, what maybe makes us nauseous right now. <laughs> or, or what we've not even considered in our life. So grace, this is so powerful. This is so important. God wants to germinate things in our life this year, but it starts by receiving grace, grace, grace. Grace waters you. Grace is like water and sunshine on a plant. And something grows, it's, and it, God empowers you to do things that you never thought you'd do. So God's grace is both unmerited favor and it's empowerment. So I'm just going to prophesy over you right now. God is empowering you this year to do things that you didn't know that you could do. I'm going to say it again. God is empowering you this year to do things that you didn't even know you could do. He's empowering you this year to encourage people in a way that you didn't even know that you could do. You didn't even know that was there, that you could actually do that, do that in this way. And it starts with how we speak to ourselves. It starts with how we encourage ourselves. Speak God's word over yourself. Speak encouraging words over yourself. All right, I want to go to Romans 5.17. And we have it for the screens. It says, For if by one man's offense meaning Adam, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So who will reign in life? Those who work hard enough? Those who earn it? What's it say? It's even underlined. Those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Here's the key to reigning in life. Those who receive, receive the gift of righteousness. Receive the abundance of grace. This is how you reign in life. Receive, receive, receive. Be watered by grace. Be watered by the Holy Spirit. Let the Lord speak words of encouragement over you and start to confess them yourself. Receive, receive, receive. 
This is, I believe, why Jesus, it says, he'd get up before the sun came up and he would run to be with his father. He's like receiving. He's like, I only do what I see my father do. It's like, I have to receive, receive, receive. God, what are you saying? What are you doing? I'm only, I only can flow out of that. Be watered by the Holy Spirit. Be watered by his encouragement. Receive grace. Be watered by grace. Grace is so important. There's just been an attack on grace by the enemy. It's, it's really not even people that are doing it. It's a satanic attack against grace since Jesus came. Because we receive so much from grace. So the enemy is constantly trying to tell you why you're disqualified from grace. <laughs> we saw this happen when we saw a demonic manifestation happen in our church. The, the, every time the guy would speak and the demon would speak, it was telling us why he's disqualified. Disqualified for God's blessing, disqualified for salvation, disqualified for this, disqualified for that. And that, like, actually really helped me that day. Like, it, it, like the light bulb went on. I was like, wow, that's the voice of Satan telling you why you're disqualified for God's blessing. Telling you why you're disqualified for God's grace. Because the enemy knows grace is empowerment. Grace is what's going to empower you to kick his butt. Can I say that in church? He knows that he's terrified. So he has a full-out war on grace. He does not want you to receive grace. I want to read that same scripture, but in the Passion Translation, Romans 5, 17. It says, Death once held us in its grip, and by the blunder of one man, death reigned as king over humanity. But now, how much more are we held in the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings in life, enjoying our regal freedom through the gift of perfect righteousness in the one and only Jesus, the Messiah? So before you were saved, before you gave your life to Christ, death held you in its grip. But now that you came to Christ, grace is holding you in its grip. You're being gripped by grace. You're being held by grace. You're being held by unmerited favor. That right there tells you you can't earn it. You're being held by unmerited favor. You're being empowered by grace to do what God's called you to do. Which brings us to the third declaration. Let's put that one up. Let's say this together. I am in the grip of God's grace and I'm meant to reign as a king in this life. How many know Jesus is the king of kings? So who are the other kings? That's us. We're meant to reign as kings in this life. He's the king of kings and we're meant to reign as a king in this life. How we reign in this life, well, we, we have it in that other scripture. Receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. You can't get away from it. Grace won't let go of you. You're in the grip of God's grace, and it will not let you go. You can't get away from his unmerited favor. I want to just share a st story with you. We were 
in another building before this building, and, and we were looking for a building. Um, we couldn't really fit in the building that we're in anymore. And we, like, I looked at probably 100 buildings, and everything, like, best-case scenario was, like, a $100,000 build-out. was, like, a shell that we had to spend, like, $100,000 just to build it out to make it a church. And when I'd finally been, like, I give up, I got a phone call, and it was from somebody, it was actually from our realtor who happened to know the previous pastor that was here in this church. And he goes, I got your space. I mean, we'd looked like, we'd months been searching. He's like, I got, I got your space. He's like, here's the pastor's phone number, give him a call. I call the pastor and he goes, yeah, we haven't even listed yet. He goes, we're going to have church this Sunday. We're moving out on Monday. I'll give you the keys on Tuesday. And so it was like, didn't ever get listed. It was just because we happened to know, like our realtor happened to know who it was. And it was tremendous favor from the Lord. This kind of space then and, and even more so now doesn't exist. Like pre-built out, ready to go churches, like just walk in and, and have church, non-existent. And, and so this pastor gives us the keys on Tuesday. We moved in. We had church that Sunday. And then I kept a relationship with that pastor. And he's like, do you know how many pastors are calling me? He's like, after they knew we were moving, he's like, I'm getting calls like every day by pastors. Like, we want your space. And he's like, I'm so sorry. It's gone already. Favor. Favor, favor, favor. God just gave us tremendous favor. Now we're praying for God's favor to get into our next building. So financially speaking, we could take a building twice the size right now. But there is absolutely nothing available in our area. There's like nothing. Like I got our realtors looking right now and he's like, there's not a building at any size available right now. It's like almost like 100% occupancy. And if stuff goes up for rent, it's like, he's like, it's gone in like a minute. It's like people are just waiting in line. So we're expecting and believing for God's favor to show up. We're not going to, we don't have to force anything. I'm not going to look at 100 buildings again. I'm not doing that again. (laughs) We're expecting God's favor to show up and he's going to get us the right place at the right time. Just like he did with this place. Okay. Stay with me on this point. Since grace is empowerment, grace is empowering, those who are mature in grace are active. I didn't say busy. I didn't say they don't know how to rest. But we're active because grace has empowered us to carry out God's will for our life. You were created for good works. It's not your good works that justify you, but you were created for good works. And the more we receive the free gift of grace or the gift of righteousness and the free gift of, of, of grace, we will good works start to flow out of us. They start to flow out of us. Now, there's a scripture. I'm going to actually use it in the correct context today because I think it's used in the wrong context so, much, so often. It's in James chapter 2, and I'm sure you've heard the scripture. It says, faith without works is dead. So I used to read that scripture before I had the revelation of grace. And what I would read in that scripture, and so many people, because I've heard pastors and so many people say it, like well-intentioned, good people, but totally misreading the scripture. Faith without works is dead. So here's the interpretation that I used to have, and this is if you have a a dirty lens of shame, guilt, and condemnation, this is what you'll see when you look at that scripture. 
you'll see that scripture saying this, faith plus works equals salvation. So number one, if that's what it's saying, it's contradicting so many other scriptures. I mean, for starters, like the scripture that says, um, we're not saved by works lest any man boast. It's saved by faith alone. That, that would radically, if that's what it's saying, is radically contradicting that scripture. So what is that scripture actually saying? Well, it's actually really easy to see when you take off the lens of condemnation and shame. Like one day I saw it and I was like, how did I ever get faith plus works equals salvation? Well, I know how I got it because I had a dirty glass, I had a dirty lens on. Here's what that scripture is saying. It's really clear to see once you, once you see it. It's saying this, good works is evidence of genuine faith. That's it. Good works is evidence of real faith, genuine faith. That's all it's saying. It's saying your faith in Christ, you will see good works flow out of it. And he, and he calls it um, dead faith. That's one of the keys to seeing the truth of that scripture. He's like, if you don't see any good works, that's dead faith. Does that make sense? He's like, dead faith will not have any works to it. Genuine faith will have works attached to it. So faith without works is dead. The faith that you have in Christ will produce something in your life. And that's what I'm talking about today. When I say those, when I say, uh, since grace is empowering, those who are mature in grace are active. All right, you still with me? Hoping to lose you on that one. <laughs> Man, can I just tell a story? It's not in my notes. There was a, a Bible study that we had, and this is four years maybe ago, right when we moved in this building. We were all sitting right here. We had about maybe 12 of us sitting in uh, chairs in a circle. And there was, a, there was a guy who was there that night. I'd never met him before, him and his wife. And we were talking about grace. So we we're just, the whole time we we're just talking about God's grace and all the things we're talking about today and all the scriptures that talk about God's grace is unmerited favor. We can't earn it. It's like a free gift of righteousness. And this guy, he had every challenge to everything we would say. And, and some things about being, a, for you, revival group leaders, <clears throat> you have to know when... Someone has a real question that's a real question of their heart or if it's just the enemy trying to distract and take away from what you're doing. And I knew, I was able to discern in that moment, I was like, wow, these are like the deep questions of this guy's heart. He was like, what about this? And it was, it was awesome because my wife was there and Angela was there who's like, we're all grace preachers. And so it was like, so Holy Spirit was like, well, this, this is the answer to that. And he's like, Okay, well, what about this? And these are all like really, like this guy is really sharp. Like, what about this? And I was like, well, boom. It's like Holy Spirit would just like transfer around to each of us and it was like answering all these questions. And so at the end of it, I was like, I don't know if this guy's like, <laughs> if he's like convinced at all of what we said or if he just thinks we're all crazy. And <clears throat> later, later in that same Bible study, um, he came over to me and he goes, you guys don't know what you just did for me. 
he goes, I've been under such condemnation and shame my whole life. And he's like, you guys just set me free. He's like, that was the truth I've been looking for my whole life. He's like, I've heard preacher after preacher after preacher, teaching after teaching, and I could not find what you guys just explained to me. And one of the reasons I'm getting emotional is because he passed away like a couple years after that and actually preached at his funeral. And he just totally became a new person after that. Radically set him free. He's like, you guys don't know. I mean, he would continue to tell me that. He's like, that night changed my life. Like, you guys don't know what you did when you, when you spoke the truth of God's word to me. Man, I'm just telling you, the enemy wants to lock us into this behavioral Christian thing where it's like we're monitoring, we're constantly inward focused, trying to figure out if we've measured up. When Jesus is like, stop looking at yourself, look to me, the author and the finisher of your faith. Keep your focus on me, on what I've done. And it's actually what transforms us. It's actually what brings us out of sin. One of my favorite uh, quotes from Bill Johnson is he says, grace doesn't empower, her. grace doesn't ex- excuse sin. Grace empowers righteousness. Grace is an empowerment to carry out what God's called you to do. Amen. That wasn't even my notes. That's extra. So since grace is empowering and we've all received grace, those who are mature in grace are active. It's going to produce something in our life. Lastly, those who are empowered by grace have big yeses in their lives and they have big noes in their lives. I didn't say they have a big nose. They have big noes in their lives. Jesus said, Matthew 5, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And he even went a step further and he says, anything beyond that is of the evil one. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. So I believe this is like, there's fire on this for this year. The next level of spiritual growth may be having strong yeses and strong noes in your life. Not just for the sake of others, but for the sake of yourselves. Let me give you an example. You might have a strong yes to your job, to your boss, to where you know when you give your boss your word that you'll honor it. But do you have that same strong yes to you, to where when you give yourself your word, you know that you'll honor it? This is part of being integrous, an integrous person, is not just giving your yes to someone else and honoring it. Yes, that's part of it, and that's great but also having a strong yes to you that you know when I give myself my yes, I'll honor it. This is the next level of of spiritual growth. My yes is going to be yes, not just to others, not just to my spouse, but to myself. Oh me. Ouch. This is something I'm, I'm working on in my life. I'm actually taking a focus course right now. And one of the things, the things I want to get out of it, like one of the things right in the beginning of it, they're like, what do you want to get out of this? And one of the things I wrote down is I want to, I want to make sure that my yes to me is 
a strong yes. Like it's a, it's a real, like I can count on it just as much as I could count on giving my yes to someone else. In other words, like what do you really want to get out of life? Like what do you really want your life to look like? And can you honor the yes you give yourself? Because there's so, much, there's so many things that are within your power. There's a lot of things that are, without, are outside of our power. But there's so many things that are within our power. And when we ask ourselves, like, what do I really want my life to look like and be like? And can I give myself a yes in those areas to partner with what the Lord wants to do in my life? One exercise you can do if you're a worrier, write down everything that you're worried about on a piece of paper. And go through and cross out everything that you can't control. And then everything that's left, take to the Lord and pursue that God's bringing you healing and life and restoration in those areas. Our nose in life will help us honor our yes. Powerful people have strong no's in their lives. They're like, I have to say no to this because I have a strong yes right here. So I want to honor that. So I have to have these strong boundaries in place because I want to be able to honor my yes. I want to be a person of integrity. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. So one of the things you can ask yourself is, what's your yes to you? I can figure out what I've given my yes to, all these different commitments in my life, but what's my yes to me? Like, don't be the last one on that list. Like, what's your powerful yes to you? God wants to help you strengthen your yes to yourself. And I believe this is a year where he's going to help you strengthen your yes to you. And it happens by receiving grace, by being watered by grace, because grace is both favor and empowerment. And you have been gripped by grace. Amen. Would you stand to your feet?